Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, and this one is going to be travel photography tricks, something most people tend to do when they travel. They try and get some great images of the place they're visiting while traveling. For some, they just want to record the journey for later. For others, they want to show it to family and friends in real time and social media. But regardless, uh, digital cameras, technology have really helped to make capturing images easier and more affordable. Yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that our, our shots are going to get any better. So uh, I'm Scott Coates in Kuala Lumpur and joining me to talk about photography is... Once again, this is Trevor Ranges joining Scott Coates uh, again from Bangkok. Hey. You know, it's funny. Uh, our, our episode here is called Travel Photography Tricks. Mm. And, and for some reason, the, this popped into my head was in the Inlay Lake in the Shan State mm -hmm. in Myanmar. There, there's a temple out there in the lake. And apparently they, they don't do this anymore. But it used to be the Jumping Cat Temple. And uh, I actually have travel photographs of cats jumping through little hoops. Mm. So when you said travel tricks, I was tricks. thinking, you know, it's, it's cat trick photography. And, and that's exactly what our topic's about today, yeah? We're going to be talking about cats and how to get them to jump through hoops and take photos of it. How correct. to take cute cat photos. Yeah, that actually should be a future episode. Yeah, Very I've... many people are interested in that, as much as travel <laughs> photography. I've heard, take your cat on a trip and take photos of it in interesting positions. Yeah, now we're going to be talking about travel photography today. And, uh, you know, especially nowadays, cameras, digital cameras have become so affordable and they're such high quality and there's all these great tools for for post, you know, like post-production, if you will. You know, even the fact that we're talking about post-production for amateur travel photography really shows you that, you know, there's a whole world of, of new opportunities for amateur travel photographers. But... Um, Myself, I know it's still challenging and, and it is good to learn from the pros how to properly frame shots and how to get the best light and how to alter your shutter speed and aperture and stuff like that, yeah? Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, the quality is so good, which in one hand makes it easier than ever to literally just point your camera and you can get a decent shot. But the fact is, too, is I was lucky enough uh, when I studied many years ago, I had to take two photography courses and, and just learn some basics and those were things like you know, how to actually use the manual functions on your camera. And that's one that I think really will help people. It's a lot of the now not even the expensive cameras. You can actually put them on manual mode and then you can set, you know, your aperture and your shutter speed. And I think doing things like that and, and learning to use a bit of the manual, it'll make you a way better photographer, even if you're just using automatic because you, you gain a bit of insight into how the camera actually functions and works. And then, yeah, again, when you even say you make an auto or an all auto setting shot, you're actually thinking about the light and certain things. So that I mean, there's little things like that that you can have a lot of fun with and get a little more power out of your device that'll then actually make you a better photographer. Yeah, you know, and and that's really cool too because like 
you know, I've done a bunch of work for National Geographic and, and people automatically assume, oh, like, where's your giant SLR camera? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm the writer. I'm the guy who has to interview the archaeologist. The photographer is the guy who just shows up and presses a button. But but apparently there is a lot more to it than that. And uh, hopefully we're going to learn some some more information about how to take better better travel photography with our, our guest today. Yeah. Yeah. And our guest today is Canadian Dave Lemke. He studied in Canada, uh, started traveling and finally settled in Vietnam about 2008. And he's been earning his living as a professional photographer about seven and a half years. Now, I first spoke with him a few years ago after reading something on the BBC, this German fellow, Gunther Holtorf, had set off in 1989, and he had driven this Mercedes-Benz G-Wagon 800,000 kilometers. And Dave shot some of the photos from the trip, I believe, even when he was in Southeast Asia. And I was like, wow, this is really neat. And uh, the point is, Dave's an interesting character. He's lived in Southeast Asia for quite a while. Great uh, eye for photography. And he's uh, going to share some tips and tricks with us. So uh, welcome to the show, Dave. Nice to be here. Thanks. Hey, Dave. Uh, we usually record from different locations, so uh, you want to fill our listeners in to where you are right now and uh, maybe if you're at home, how long you've been living there. So I've been living in uh, Vietnam for seven and a half years. Uh, my first six and a half were in Hanoi, but I live in Saigon now for one year. And that's where you are this this evening? Yes. So what led you to go to that part of the world originally, Dave? Uh, well, I had the... Um, my my ex fiance was coming here to uh, to Hanoi to do her PhD research, and uh, I had the I had basically a choice. I I could have stayed a a part time photographer and a full time working in sales at a at a really good camera store called Henry's in Toronto. They're, I consider them to be Canada's best professional video and and photography store. Um, but it was sales, and uh, working in sales sort of eats away at your soul as time goes by. <laughs> and, um, and I found myself, you know, less and less into photography, into shooting, and less and less wanting to talk about it, study it, or even think about it when I got home off of the job. And so when it looked like she was going, I had a choice to either break up and stay in Canada doing the same thing, or sort of drop everything and pursue a career as a photographer and um at that time the choice was a very very easy one all right yeah it's funny how it works like that because something similar happened with me that i was working and, and not writing full time and and sometimes it just takes that outside push to to make you commit yourself fully to to being let's say a freelance and you consider yourself a fleet freelance photographer i i assume yeah yeah, um, I freelance, but uh, I now own two companies, photography companies that are based out of Vietnam. Okay, what what type of what type of work do those companies do? My the my personal brand, which is just Dave Lemke Photography, we shoot uh, commercial and um, sort of commercial interiors, exterior exteriors, real estate food architecture that's an infrastructure like uh bridges and and sort of that kind of photography um and then the other one is travel plus which i'm sure we'll touch upon later in the podcast but very quickly travel plus is a is a company that i started with another canadian photographer who's um based out of saigon and uh, we offer personal photography services to tourists coming to anywhere in asia 
Cool, cool. That's cool. I, you know, I saw a quote on something I read about you recently. I, I can't remember where it's from all of a sudden, but I'm going to mispronounce the name now. It's from Marcel Proust, and it said, The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscape, but in having new eyes. Um, it really does tie into taking great pictures. So I'm wondering, why does it mean so much to you? Well, that, that quote is from a, um, a speech I gave on being a travel photographer. Right, right. It was... Uh, for a startup comp a Vietnamese startup company called Trip with two eyes and dot me, and it's uh, they they allow people to like come to Vietnam and and rest of Asia to do uh, you can log into a city and see individuals offering very unique trips and book their tour, um, very right. like very a myriad of stuff and uh, and that quote it relates to. You know my philosophy in, in photography and also as a person because I've been traveling for so long I left home when I was 18 and um, and I was a pretty I think we're I'm still pretty ignorant we all are but um, the wisdom I gained from my first voyages into the world uh, really taught me that the more you see the more you want to learn and the more you realize you have to learn in order to understand different people and different cultures. And, um, and the, the, the experience changes you in ways that sometimes are evident right away and, and other times it, it takes years and years and years until you look back and go, oh, when that happened when I was in France, it taught me this and now I'm starting to learn that lesson now many years later, that kind of thing. Right, right. I certainly think that Scott and I agree with with that statement. In fact, that we both love to travel and we're passionate about travel and have made it our lives in large part because of what you see and experience. And uh, and you made a good point there, I think, about how sometimes we need to reflect upon it after the fact in order to really learn to appreciate that. And maybe that's one of the great things about photographs is that that it, it gives us a record of those experiences and, and then we can remember those emotions that we captured it at the same time not only that but <clears throat> when you're when you are traveling and and sort of having your eyes open to because everything's new right it's not the same mundane drive to work every day um you as a photographer you you get to just when you put the viewfinder up to your eye and start shooting the world sort of slows down and you're able to pick out all those new details and capture them in in, in interesting ways and Sometimes when you're based in one place for so long, it gets normalized and you, you lose that eye and you sort of need to travel and need to experience new things and need to have new eyes um, in order to, to feel inspired again and to, you know, and fall in love with photography again. I, I think you can actually see the questions we're about to ask you, Dave, somehow, because the next one was, I was actually wondering, like you mentioned the importance of getting in the zone when traveling and shooting photos. So I guess two parts. I mean, how do you get or find your zone and how do you, can someone get a different eye or perspective? By being in a new place and, and seeing strange and exotic things, that, that immediately should, should allow you to to have a new vision or have a new set of eyes in order to see things right right see and that just that should have it if you're if you're sitting in a in a market in turkey in a bazaar sorry in turkey and and you're not sort of like having that that huge experience of the smells the sights the colors and that's all bombarding you at the same time if that doesn't sort of like 
I don't know. <laughs> if you think if you think that's normal and you aren't amazed by it the first time you you see it, then there's something seriously wrong with you. And so, um, and uh, well, maybe let me let me interrupt you really quickly there, Dave, because that that's something that I've always been curious about. Like, I, I'm not a professional travel photographer, but but I travel with a, a camera often just so that when I'm writing, I can look back at, at my photos and help me remember and and write it better. But I find sometimes that the camera becomes like a burden that that creates this barrier between me and, and getting into my zone you know like if you spend so much time with your camera focusing on where to get the best pictures you might miss the, the experience itself do you, do you find that ever happens to you uh, well definitely not because the the for me it's um, it's a burden if you are thinking about where to be and how to position yourself and where's the Sun and what's my subject doing and you're always looking through the camera the to, to get back to that that the second part of that question about how to how to get in the zone is you just go and sit sit in it like you if you're in a market sit in the market if you're at the seaside sit down on the rock wall and just sort of look and see what's around you and watch people and the moment will come where you want where you want to raise the camera and start taking some photos and um and it that that's you don't just immediately start shooting it's best to go into a new place and just see it first see it smell it experience it right? yeah, yeah yeah so maybe because one of the things i also wanted to, to hope to get through to our listeners today is some advice for them on how to get better travel photos so maybe one thing you're saying here is that to get into the zone you, you need to have some patience and you need to to kind of become part of the that environment and, and observe it closely before you really start shooting away yeah like i don't want to be stereotypical but us being canadians and i lived out west for a while uh, if you go to Whistler, it's um, or if you're in downtown Ottawa, it's it's it is typical to see a bus arrive and a bunch of like Japanese tourists come out and they just bang 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 and then back on the bus and away they go. And so, and to me, like that's not. I mean, the, I, I I refer that refer to that as happy snap photography. That is uh, that is <laughs> that's just sort of documenting where you are very quickly and leaving but you're not going to capture something yeah, that's, that's beautiful and meaningful and and has emotion to it and and can touch other people when they see it to do that you have definitely have to be patient and you have to um walk and and experience what's going on around you before you start shooting even if not only experience but go talk to locals meet people ask their permission before you take their picture you know um, I know, uh, uh, I have a, my, I'm not going to name names, but I have a, a friend mm. here who does do some photo led tours and he took a, a tourist out and this, uh, this girl would, was literally, she was quite, uh, very, ex uh, excited and she would run up to people and get, put the camera in their face and bang, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. And she was sort of spastic all over the place and one of the ladies in the market actually went to hit her <laughs> when she did and and you know that girl got quite shocked like wondering like why why did that lady try to hit me and so my friend had to explain like well you can't you know in Vietnam he said in Vietnam but I think you can't do that anywhere like no one I, I, yeah, that's not acceptable right and and to be honest people who do that sort of give photography a, a bad bad name like because there's there's a really excellent photographer and his name is Dave Milner. Uh, I'm gonna have to double check if that's his first name or not. And um, 
he's a he's a wedding photographer and a travel photographer and um yeah he he has some excellent excellent quotes uh my favorite quote that he has regarding photography is um is uh let your subject find the light and so you sort of know where to bis you look where the light is and you position yourself in a way that you you're not you're not interrupting what's going on. You just let the subject find where the light is, let them keep doing their thing, and when the moment is right and they're in the light, then you take the shot. I'm I'm definitely Dave. You you can see our, our questions on Google Docs because I was I was gonna kinda ask you to share some tips on how travelers, you know, let's say they're for a few weeks in Southeast Asia they're in hot, busy locales and in a big city, maybe in the countryside, and they want to get some good images to take home. And I was going to ask you of certain scenarios and situations and things and how to get good photos of them. And the one I wanted to ask you about first was actually people. And you've sort of, for somebody wanting to get some good shots of people, like the light's a great one, but what are some other tips? Just be, be friendly, know a few words in the local language, try to, uh-huh. um, try to meet someone and always, uh, if you can, you know, ask their permission. Uh, another and and that photographer. So his name's not Dave Milner; it's Daniel Milner, and um, he also uh, has another sort of piece of advice that I like to follow. And that's um, when you shoot someone, like you you don't say, "Can I take a picture of you?" You say, "Can I make a photo fo- make a photo of you?" And it's sort of changes the perception of what you're going to be doing with that person. I want to make make a picture. Hmm. I don't want to take your picture. I want to make one. And so um, he does like some really beautiful photo uh, documentary work. And his instead of shooting just a subject, he shoots like where like their feet. And if it's a farmer, he shoots their fields and their tools. And he shoots a whole bunch of things before he even gets to actually taking a picture of the subject. And it's about storytelling, right? So if you're if you go out and you want to take really nice photos of of people, um, and you can sort of challenge yourself and go, okay, well I'm going to go take photos of some fishmongers today. Try and take photos not just of the 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 people in their business, but uh, photograph what they're doing and try and make a story about it. It makes it quite much more interesting. Yeah, what's neat about that quote is that we know in in some parts of the world people actually don't like their photo taken because they believe it's capturing a part of their soul. So when you say take a photo, like some people actually would believe you're taking something. Where's an outlook on it? That's, that's super slick. How about, how about buildings? When you, when you shoot cityscapes, um, one of the first is the time of day, like cityscapes and landscapes. It's all about shooting early, early in the morning or in the afternoon, or if you have a tripod shooting at night, if the building's well lit up, that sort of thing. And, um, the, it's all, architecture is all about angles angles lines and so it's a very different mindset when you're shooting people because it's it's a static it's a static subject it's not moving so um typically what i do is as i i try to look at if it's a single building i try to look at it for i walk around it if i can i look at it from a lot of different angles uh looking straight up i try to take um one of the things that it, uh, my my company does in in Vietnam for architecture is I is I call it in context imaging. That's the name of the company, and because I put 
things in context. I don't just shoot the building, but I shoot what's around the building, how it fits into the environment. Because um, that's what architecture is, right? Good architecture, anyways, is supposed to sort of meld in with its environment. And um, so angles and and try to put it in context of how it fits in with what's around it. Those are good. That's good advice for shooting architecture and buildings. Yeah. All right. Then, I mean, I'm trying to, it might be helpful sometimes if you could give us an example of a place that would be particularly cool for, for doing these types of things. Cause you know, I've, I've spent a bit of time in, in Ho Chi Minh city. So, and in Vietnam in general. So I, I'm, I'm picturing places as we're describing them and hopefully we'll be able to put up uh, some of your photos of some buildings or some people that you've shot before to help uh, illustrate these points. But like when you're, you're pointing out like the market, you know, it, it's not just the the vendors, right? It's also the, the people who are shopping and, and then it's also the building itself, right? So like, how would you, if you, if you were going to show some tourists around uh, like a Vietnamese market one day, how do you think you'd go about doing that? Once actually, funnily enough, it's something that uh, my partner Fred and I are doing um, is developing photo-led tours of Saigon. It's a very, yeah. very new venture, like as in new as in a week old. But um, but we're we're seriously looking into it, and we've already got a lot of interest. And um, so, fun, it's ironic that you're asking me that. So because one of the things mm. we shoot is Chinatown, and and okay. so we want to show everything's organic and and, and 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 interconnected in this world. So you got if you're going to show a tourist the market in Chinatown or the side stalls, you want to show like the, the, the product arriving, where does the product come from? How do they buy it? How do they bargain? Um, what's it brought in? How is it positioned outside the store? Who sells it? Who are they selling it to? And, 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 and so you want to, you want to sort of put, it's like, um, a, a micro and a macro cosm all in one. You want to show, how it all fits in together, right? And and that's to me is much more interesting than just going. There's like some sacks of spices and shoot the spices because the sun's on it and there's a nice shadow and there's the lady selling it and then you move on, and <laughs> that's it, right? You want it, it's better to spend a lot of time in a small area than a lot of time going all over the place. And that and as you know what, as a traveler, that's that is exactly how I travel. I don't. I don't like spending city hopping, as you, I guess we call it. I like spending as much time in one area as possible and try to try to make a connection to something mm -hmm. or someone. And I, f I feel you get more out of it. It's much more meaningful. Um, Popular at the moment is everyone and taking pictures of their food with their camera, right? But the others, especially in Southeast Asia. So, what are some quick tips on how to snap a proper shot of your food? Well, when you shoot food is, um, and I, I used to be a chef in a former life in Canada, so I, I can approach this in a, probably with a bit different view than people that haven't cool, been a cool. chef. Shooting food is all about um, simplicity. You want to show off the, the dish in, in, like, in, it, in it's sort of like how it's presented. So uh, very good presentation. Something simple like... Uh, um, you know, if you're drinking a bottle of wine, you know, just have like two glasses behind it or always try and 
put some the utensils on the side and have the utensils a little bit in the shot or some chopsticks across the bowl. It just this sort of adds to the flavor of the the, the photo, and um, no pun intended. And um, definitely, shooting food is all about light. It, it's that's probably the single most important thing. When I shoot food, I always try to use natural light, uh, maybe with a bit of a fill flash. Um, like an external flash on on the other side. Uh, I, one of the things that re I really bugs me is when you shoot people shoot food professionally. Um, you can see the food, but like the if it's on a white plate or a white bowl, it just looks like totally overexposed and very um, uh, washed out. So you don't even see what the food is sitting in or on. Um, so light light and lighting is is extremely important. Um, and I like to shoot, if I shoot one dish, I like to shoot uh, with a macro lens, so shooting like an extreme close-up. If people out there have uh, just a point-and-shoot camera, a normal camera, not an SLR, uh -huh. uh, that the, there's a symbol on your camera that's a flower. And uh, if you enable that shooting mode, which is macro, you can usually bring your lens really, really close to, to the subject generally between um, one and five centimeters so you can like just put the camera right in the thing whatever you're shooting and uh, that allows you to see like the detail and the ingredients and the sauce or like the meat and or the veggies or whatever it is and then take a step back and sort of shoot the dish on the table mm -hmm. where you are if the sun is setting over in Kotao and you have like the mountains and stuff and the, the sea, I mean, so it's all about same, almost like shooting architecture is about sort of putting it in context, shooting a close up and then shooting, take, take a step back and where right, we were. Right. Huh. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It's about angles too, right? Just not taking five of the same overhead shot, but trying to like mix it up a little bit. You know, that's one of the beauties. I, many years ago, I dated a, a photographer back in the analog film days, you know, and she said the best thing about her job was free film, you know, and nowadays with digital, you can just shoot away. Right. So I think experimenting a little bit with different types of angles and, and different settings, even if you don't know what you're doing can, can lead you to come up with some pretty cool photos. Yeah. The experimenting right like that's what makes you a good photographer is making like mistakes and learning from them and and so definitely with the advent with and the of digital photography like take your camera and do a 360 around the food and like above beside behind like whatever and just like shoot from any angle you want and and um you may find some really interesting images that come out of it is there just you know a couple tricks that you think are just the absolute best thing for average traveler with your average camera to keep in mind to just turn out some better shots? I, I mean, the reason I ask is I know I took a course and the first thing was rule of thirds, right? Like always place the subject in the left or the right part of the photo, not the in you know the, the building or the bottom. And and just that little thing makes a huge difference. So I'm guessing the main you one is is get up <laughs> early, get up at five, get up at five a.m. Get out to wherever you want to be and watch the sunrise and the, the light early in the morning, it will, it, it will just blow you away. And it's extremely difficult to do to get up early in the morning. Um, we all love sleep. Well, I do anyways. But, but that is the single biggest 
tip is get up early. Anyone can shoot the sunset, but if you're up early, there when the when the world wakes up, um, that's usually a very special time. To, and you'll guaranteed to get some pretty phenomenal photos. It's also a time when there's a lot of activity. Um, it, like when you're traveling, if you're out in exotic places, usually a lot of activity, and you can meet some really interesting locals that you wouldn't meet otherwise because they're they're probably more interested in seeing you than you are in them. <laughs> Sure. Well, you know what I was saying earlier about just, you know, because there's digital photography and people can can snap away at will, um, you know, a lot of people are actually interested in, in trying to, to publish some of their photographs or sell them. And, and everybody loves putting photographs up on Instagram and sharing them and whatnot. Um, but do you know any tips for people who are looking to make a leap from, you know, just amateur photography to be like, hey, you know what, I took a really cool photo. I'd like to try and sell this or, or share it somehow in a magazine. Well, there's, um, there's a couple of websites that are dedicated to stock photography. Um, one is called Image Brief. That's a really good one. Um, it's sort of uh, you have to you'd have to have a very wide range of images in your library already because um, magazines they just put a re request or, or book publishers they put in a request for a certain type of image from somewhere in the world, and it can be uh, pretty general or it can be really specific. Um, I've been shortlisted a few times on that site, haven't sold anything yet. I'll tell you something that sites like that, um, you know, being a photographer, the thing that a lot of us would struggle with is being inspired, right? I'm lucky because I am in a place that is chaotic and beautiful all the time. That's <laughs> what I wake up to. Um, not everyone has that luxury. So finding inspiration in websites like that or purchasing magazines and this these are things that keep you wanting to shoot keep you wanting to try new things when you fall into that trap of every, everything's normal and, and my drive to work is boring and that's the same bridge flower building whatever you go by every day that's when your your creativity sort of wanes a little bit and it dies a little bit and that's that's anathema to a photographer you gotta always sort of Find ways to keep yourself inspired, keep yourself um, um, wanting to shoot. Uh, and for everyone, it's different, but each person has to find their own way. And the the concept is that when when a tourist comes, and so what we like, we cater to adventure travel, honeymooners, and corporate corporate travel, corporate mice tours, and this sort of thing. Uh -huh. When they're doing their team building, or if you have a group of Russian dudes on motorbikes through Chiang Mai, then um, then they can hire us, and we'll go with them and shoot their journey with them. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of uh, for adventure travel. It's a no-brainer because a lot of time you cannot take your own picture, right? Okay. Um, whereas I can, I can take a photo of you while riding a motorbike while you're on your motorbike. As an example, okay. um, and because we have shot this this kind of stuff uh, before, I just thought, well, why don't we all do it under a guise of a company? Like this is could be a product that we offer. Because I've followed professional cyclists along the border of um, Laos and China and Vietnam, and right. I've photographed 
private families because they wanted a nice shoot in the city they were in or that sort of thing. And it was always, it was always just a contractual base um, shooting for them. And I just thought it's a great idea to offer this as a product. This is something that a lot of people will be interested in, not backpack, not, not backpackers, but, but um, families, uh, people with large, large group tours and that sort of thing. The kind of photos that we we were shooting, they're not they're not that tourist off the bus, take some photos on the bus, go. We like I I've worked for Lonely Planet, I've worked for National Geographic, uh, we've worked we've worked for the New York L.A. Times. Uh, my partners work for um, the Body Shop in Piaggio, and the list goes on, right? So we like these are the kind of photos that people should expect of them now like they can be the rock star and they can get these these wonderfully powerful moments captured for them and it's yeah. and it's not for a lot of money we're not charging thousands of dollars a day we offer very very um reasonable rates and so i it's everyone i've spoken to and the and the the tour companies that we're partnered with are, are really enthusiastic um the first year of any startup is PR and marketing. So it's just trying to get the word out there that this, this is a service that is available yeah. and, and, and please contact us if, you know, if you're interested, we do, we just do, we can do half days, full days. We can follow someone for seven days if they want. It's up, it's up to the client, how, how long they want us to be around. Right. Great stuff. You know, when I used to uh, be coding, like, Ah, it'd be great if just like in the magazine, someone's just ahead on the path or just across an adventure. That's great. So what's the website people can learn more about that adventure? It's called travelpluspictures.com, right? Com, yeah. It's all words. And if you want to see your personal site, what is that address? Dave Lemke, L-A-M-K-E dot com. Dave Lemke dot com. All right, great. Well, hey, it's it's. I wanted to go two or three questions deeper on everything we asked you, but you really shared some insightful stuff. So thanks so much. And if he's around, hey, you can hire him for these. So thanks, Dave. Take it easy, and thank you very, very much for having me on. Thanks, Dave. That was some really interesting stuff. Uh, did you learn anything today, Scott? Yeah, I mean, there was quite a quite a few new things in there. I, I I've done a lot of the things he mentioned, but I just maybe didn't think about them in, in those terms. And one of the neat ones to me was when he was talking about shooting people is. You know, we often just concentrate on the face and things, but actually, you know, I'm thinking of traveling Southeast Asia, maybe being in a market is, you know, f take a photograph of the, the guy butchering up the meat or the fish, like take a picture of his knife, take a picture of his hands, take a picture of the things he's working on sitting there. And then, you know, maybe even parts of the body and then work towards the faces, get that whole person, the experience and tell a story about something. How about you? Yeah. You know, and, and. Like I talked to other photographers about shooting people and I've seen them in action and he made a really good point about how you do need to introduce yourself to people and laugh a little bit with them and make them feel comfortable in front of the lens. Right. But then I think I really like the point where he talked about like withdrawing and just having a seat somewhere. And, and after the fact, after they've gotten to know you, let them forget that you're there and then start to like take pictures slowly about everything that, that's happening around you. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to that. I think often when we're traveling places, we really do pack our schedules. And I've I've often found what he said right there is a not only will you get better photos if you just sit somewhere, but you you really do actually get to experience where you are, right? And you know, in the case of being in a place that maybe foreigners aren't usually, it does take 
the locals a little while to wonder, like, why is this strange white person with, you know, all this stuff hanging around their neck sitting in the middle of this? And But let that pass for 10 and 15 minutes, and then they are going to be a lot more comfortable. And, you know, always turn the tables. Like, what if in your your hometown or you're at work and someone just rolls into your office near your cubicle wearing a conical hat and starts shooting photos of you. Like it's going to be strange, right? Like you're not going to appreciate it, nor are you going to be natural. Nothing good's going to come of it. So why would it be any different if, if we just walk into people's lives? Yeah. I think also one thing that we didn't talk about, but, but like, cause he was talking about shooting himself. And then we talked a little bit about going out as a group tour, like learning or, or the big, group of the stereotypical Japanese people getting off the bus. But I think going out by yourself might you might be a little less conspicuous and you can take your time a bit more. If you're if you're traveling with friends, you know, people want to go at different paces. Maybe you get better photographs if you were on your own. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's as as much as you love traveling with someone, breaks are a good thing. And and taking, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, few hours, whatever it is just quick break from the people you're traveling with. It can give you that opportunity to totally get in the zone like we talked about. Yeah, I think you probably have some of your best experiences and probably some of your best photographs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode on photography and can take some stuff and use it in the field. Thank you for joining us. We'll have a brand new episode in two weeks. Until then, this is Scott Coates in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, saying adios, muchacho, for now. Huh. This is Trevor saying uh, sayonara. Sayonara, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall in Kortan and Kampong?